I do believe it is your responsibility as leaders to be transparent about what decisions you're making, why you're making them, and what the true motivations are, the real why, the why underneath the why. And if it just happens to be about revenue, I beg you to consider other factors of success. You are also a TED speaker coach. And I'm wondering when we take these two different worlds of education in EU, in US, how you're educated with that idea of building a personal brand and entrepreneurship really young age upwards and being much more experimental probably in, in various places. I'm wondering how does that show in the work with the speakers that you're working with in terms of that those barriers that we have to work through as we're trying to build the story. The TED is obviously all about the ideas we're sharing and it feels like it obviously takes a long series of life experiences and accumulation of wisdom to arrive at a place in life where you're ready to create a compact piece of wisdom around it that is worth sharing and that would be good enough for the third system to choose. And so I'm wondering, as you're coaching leaders from Europe and America, what are actually the lessons there or the differences that we can learn from each other? And as an, as an inspiration or something to have almost like an alarm bell in, in our minds, for instance, as Europeans, when we're thinking about what would be our idea we're sharing and what is the right moment in career, you know, at which, at which place of, of that hero's journey are we at the place where it's really worth going out with it, even if it's super vulnerable, if it feels like it might actually endanger the reputation that we've been building for a while. I wonder whether the momentum feels at a different time horizon, you know, for the different cultures. Check out the first part of this interview to peek into the ups and downs that allowed Rose to discover her life's purpose and what it's like to feel that you're in the right place in your life. So you asked me a question earlier, too, that I think this relates to. If there's one thing, <clears throat> one skill that I think helps serve the speaker on the TED stage, as well as the leader in our modern era. And the skill that we're all gonna need more and more is the muscle and the ability to self-reflect, self-awareness. Self-awareness, the ability to know oneself. In fact, I'm trying to remember what it is in um, Latin. I think it was know thyself that was above Athena's door or Apollo's temple. It was it, this, this idea of knowing self is so important to be able to give a talk that is truly transformational. So for instance, and I don't think this is different for speakers on the TED stage in Europe or speakers on the TED stage in the US. Okay. The ability to find and to share and name the darkest of our moments is what sheds the same magnitude of light upon 
that moment of arrival or that glorious idea you want to share. We fall in love with people who have broken in some way, even if the breaking is simply through, I thought I knew the answer to some, you know, big scientific quest. And I kept going at it the same way. And I kept running experiments in the same way and then realized it wasn't working and I forgot about it. And then I bumped into a new way while I was doing this other thing. And I thought I had, you know, left science for good. Right. And it's, there's something magic in us as human beings. We have evolved in this circle, tribal way. We connect with each other through the depth of connection of the individual. The more I'm connected with myself, the more I can connect with you. The less I'm connected with myself, the harder it's going to be for me to actually connect with you. And the reason we love TED Talk and TED is because we connect to these stories. I worked with Jonathan Weitzman, who is an epigeneticist in Paris. He's English. He's also Jewish and uh, spends a lot of time in Israel. He's a lecturer. He works at Paris Diderot, uh, l'université à Paris. He is an author. He's a researcher. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a poet. He's a painter. He's so many things. He's a beautiful soul. I remember sitting down with him for the very first session we were going to have. I was his coach. And I, you know, I'm a young American female sitting down with this accomplished scientist, male in Europe. I'm facing all the stereotypes inside of myself. How do I look old enough? Can I, you know, I hope he'll take me seriously. Anyway, and then at a certain point, you have to go, you know, F it. Here I am, you know, take it or leave it. Let's, let's talk. And, and I, said hello. We were at a coffee uh, cafe right next to a train station, Saint-Lazare in Paris. And um, one of the first thing he, he wanted to know was, how do I know I can trust you not to turn me into just another TED speaker? Because there's, there's this idea of like, you know, I'm going to get up there, going to be on the red dot, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to sound kind of like the other people. I'm going to take a dramatic pause. You know, there are going to be these conventions. He's like, you need to convince me you're not going to turn me into one of those. And I just sat there and looked at him and I was like, okay, um, well, one thing I can tell you is the way we're going to do that. So it doesn't sound conventional and it doesn't sound contrived is by the level of your vulnerability. So the more real he is with his edge, where's his comfort zone and how close can we get to the edge of that comfort zone? Because that's when something inside of us starts to light up. It's, um, there's Pachad and Yahweh or Yahweh. There are two different types of fear. One type of fear is contracting fear. And this is in Hebrew. The other type of fear is I'm on my edge and I'm more alive and I'm taking up more space than I'm used to. And it's thrilling. It's our growth spot, right? That's where you want to take the TED speaker because if the TED speaker sits there and is kind of comfortable in their transformation story, they're not giving the energy of transformation. You have to push them back into the fire so that they can touch the fire again so that they can give it to the audience. So yeah, for American and European TED speakers, know yourself and then let's try to get to the edge of yourself where, where you're a little less comfortable and where you're reflecting 
on the idea from a very real, present, vulnerable, sensitive place. And it lights us up and the mirror neurons of the audience pick it up and we experience the transformation with them. Yeah, beautiful. So a while ago, colleagues at the European institutions approached me asking me to give a speech about failure at their conference, Fail. And I'm like, no, 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 there's no such thing as failure in my life. And this got me to research the whole subject of failure and how I understand it, what is the universe that got me to really erase this word from my vocabulary and see everything as lessons learned and dive deeper into how the others in the personal development industry see this. That's how this series was born and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I wonder as a, as a last piece that I would like you to reflect on is more like super concretely, where do you feel or whether there is a space for much more open conversation about these moments of insecurities and vulnerabilities that the executives go through when they're taking extremely important decisions. And now I'm speaking to our passion for transformative technologies and what tech out there, the decisions that are taken today by technology leaders determine our futures. Um, it's often talked about as a greater moment of technology industry, right? Um, where we are now approaching the tipping point of deciding also as regulators and as users, what's going to be the future? How far are we going to allow the technologies to go? And I wonder what is the leadership role and space for conversations to be head and led by the executive leaders on top of those organizations. We've now been through the experiences of Facebook, Twitter taking very courageous decisions a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is uh, touching upon a little bit, but we still haven't seen much about how those conversations actually look like and where, you know, wh what is the, 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 the code of values that they are honoring and how, how does it actually look so that it serves as some kind of a behavioral benchmark or best practice or not for others who are taking those choices. I feel it's, a, it's probably a big conversation to be had around the management and leadership and openness and vulnerability we bring into those conversations. So what is it that you're learning through the conversations that you're having with your podcast guests about this? I feel it's a, maybe a great combination of your um, vulnerability on the TED stage experience and the, and the technology transformation space in California. By the way, in the second part of this interview, we looked at the fear accompanying conversations about purpose. When you feel you have a big mission to serve, how to talk about it so others really get you and how to avoid the frustration if you have no idea what's that life's calling. Do you think the executives who lead the biggest, most, I mean, the, the, the leading technology companies should be more open about the nature of the, not the nature of the decisions, but how as leaders they are taking <clears throat> those decisions in order to serve as leaders or not for others who are yes. observing these choices, but Obviously, yes. they could have been taken at different moments in history and they weren't, and now they happened. So I feel it's an important question to understand how are those 
decisions taken from the perspective of the values they honor, the inner reflection they're doing, their understanding of their own leadership and the cause they're trying to pursue on this planet, which then manifests in the decisions. But I would myself, I would be very curious in understanding what's going on deeper, not just seeing them unplug certain accounts. So what I'm going to say is a quote from, I think, Superman. With great power comes great responsibility. There are some people who I speak with in technology spaces where I hear we're in a free market. It's not our responsibility to think about the use of the tool we're creating. We're just creating the tool. There's sort of a an avoidance and or pushing back to responsibility and playing a role in the outcomes of what they're generating in the world. So one dream I have, Lucia, is that coming back to something you talked about earlier, how do we connect to the circle? You know, some of the practices that we're returning to have been here for thousands of years, right? The ability to think seven generations ahead before we make a decision. You know, what happens if we invent something called plastic? How do we dissolve it? What do we do with it once it's here? Now we have to figure it out. What if we thought about that before we created the plastic? What about the atomic bomb? What about, you know, all these things that we develop going fast and breaking things for the sake of science, for the sake of progress, you know, automatic cars or, you know, automatic driving cars or these new technologies, they're in, they're inevitable. So we're not going to stop them. Okay. Okay. I think there's something you talked about in an episode in your podcast about feminine leadership. Um, I believe one piece of feminine leadership is thinking ahead and thinking through, okay? Mothers think through, do you have your jacket? When are you going to be home? Like there are simple, basic practicalities we have to think about. Okay, what did you say to Tommy on the playground? Was that nice? How did that make him feel, right? Is that how you want to be? Do you want to feel that way? All these things we learned in kindergarten, we just have to remember them. And so leaders, my dream of world leaders of technology CEOs, dear Jeff Bezos, dear Elon Musk. Can we calm down enough and be humble enough that we are able to share our fears around the board table and think a little bit ahead about the effects from a human point of view? as well as for our planet, okay? If we just need to think about it from a selfish point of view, look, we live on this planet, we depend upon it. If it isn't living well, we're not living well. It's as simple as that. I would, I do believe it is your responsibility as leaders to be transparent about what decisions you're making, why you're making them, and what the true motivations are, the real why, the why underneath the why. And if it just happens, to be about revenue, I beg you to consider other factors of success. Money will come. We've seen it. We've seen, you know, creating green products in a green industry. There's always opportunity where there's a problem. Choose the good problem. Choose the good question. 
and then bring your team in. You know, I've heard many leaders say that one of the greatest choices of a CEO or let's say, you know, any official is to bring in a team that's smarter than you so that you've got good advisors. Look to your advisors, make it a collective, go back to the round table idea and myth and really share what's going on. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, Lucia, but I do believe there's responsibility of our leaders to share why. Twitter, Facebook, how were those decisions made? I'd love there to be research done. Are people listening? Can we create process around what it takes to move the barge, that huge ship of a tech Goliath? How do you shift something of that size based on ethics? I'd like to know. I have ideas. I, I know that something in Native American practice called counsel of sitting in a circle and sharing from your heart and being honest, that works. Anita Sanchez, one of the podcast guests, is she's got a PhD in organizational development. She uses counsel in her coaching work with executives and leaders. I use counsel. My mother created the, the counsel program at a global scale for Snapchat. Like this stuff exists. Now, dare to be the leader that is actually leading by example, to share the hard stuff, to share the broken parts so that we can actually address it before everyone breaks. It's that serious. It's that real. We need each other and we need good leaders who are being honest. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm wondering, it feels easy, easy. It feels possible for an executive to do this if they're at the consciousness level where they would like to introduce this kind of culture into their organizations. I wonder as a last question, coming back to the concept of failure, what is your advice for those who would like to be pioneers of these values, but they're not the executives and they are afraid of failing simply sabotaging their careers if they try to push through or bring the new and, and try to disrupt the system that they're part of. The departure is not always a solution for everybody. So how do you coach people through the fear of failure when they feel like they're called to step into a new level of their leadership as part of a larger system? Such great questions, Lucia from really different perspectives, it's, it's very important uh, to think through the theory and the applied and from different levels and different moments in a, in a life and career trajectory. I'm gonna call on some wisdom from one of the speakers of this conference and someone I've had the pleasure of coaching for the TED stage. <clears throat> Estelle Lovi, this beautiful poet, um, mother, used to work in the corporate world and diverged, she shared something in her TEDx. I think this will play a part in some way in the talk she shares with the European Commission trainees. <clears throat> For those who don't know what to do and want to do something around working in alignment with values, but don't want to sabotage career, <clears throat> do not underestimate the power of the tiniest step, the little things, 
the very little things. Buckminster Fuller has this term called trim tab. Trim tab is this little piece on the rudder of a ship. So you've got the, let's imagine a, sh a sailboat and you've got that little rudder at the bottom under the ocean and it turns this way and that way to direct the ship. On that rudder, that's moving big quantities of water. It's pushing against a lot of, of pressure, right? Let's imagine that pressure, that ocean is like an organization, maybe even like the European Commission. On that rudder is a tiny piece called a trim tab that moves first. They move that teeny piece first because it helps push the bigger thing just enough to give it some momentum. And that bigger thing that shifts is what steers the boat. Individuals can act like a trim tab and are like a teenier trim tab on that trim tab. And with every choice, that can be as simple as I'm sitting in the board, I'm sitting in a meeting. I normally don't say anything. I really like my job or I like it enough. It's good enough. It's paying the bills. I think it's good. You know, we're going to go with this for a while. Normally, I've sat back. I'm going to try what it feels like to sit up a little bit, roll my shoulders back, <clears throat> clear my throat, and say, I'd like to add something. I have a concern. Here's my concern. That policy we're discussing, or I have a story I'd like to share. <gasps> World we have evolved, our brains have evolved for storytelling. We know what a story is. A story is genius because a story is holographic. You're not sharing an opinion. You're not sharing a single point of view. You're sharing an orb of truth that people can take from it what's true for them. So when I share a story that's relevant, it has great power because everyone in the room can relate to it from a different place because you're not telling anyone what to do, you're simply sharing your truth in a way that's relevant. Not just saying, oh, I'm scared, I'm, you know, don't, don't do that, that's not appropriate. You need to share something relevant. And if you make it specific and then step back, let that be a first step or have a one-on-one -on -one, or write an essay or whatever that, this teeny next little step. As Estelle would say, I think I'm missing one of the teeny tiny, it's such a cute acronym. That is how we live more in alignment with our values. That podcast I made was because I had crashed and burned after four years in France and I needed to come back to LA during COVID. So I came back in 2019 in March when the borders shut down in France. And yes, my heart was broken not because anyone did anything wrong. No one did anything wrong. Just something had to shift and I had to listen. And it's a mysterious journey, this life. It's messy. Anne Kesselring, a different speaker. It's all about the mess. She used to be a professional runner. Now she's working in academia. They're both true. They're both her. They're both successful. If there's one other thing I'd like to ask your listeners to do, it's to think, what is failure to me really in my one wild and precious life? What would failure look like for me? 
if I'm not answering for that, that question myself, then I'm going to be giving that power to everybody else. And I will have failed at the beginning of my journey because I don't even know what success is for me. So what is success? What is failure? Just take little steps in the direction of what success is for you and trust it. It's going to be messy. And if it's painful, join the club. Get stronger, get smarter, learn a lot, get a sense of humor. That's one thing I think France could learn from California. I love you, France. And I love you, California. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom transatlantic and from higher universes and all the guests that you've ever interviewed. Thank you so much. It's really <laughs> precious to have you. It's been such a pleasure, Lucia. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. I believe in this entirely. It's beautiful. And thank you to all of your guests who have shared their stories. I am honored. I wish you very, very well. Thank you. Thank you. Do you agree that as leaders, we should be much more open about sharing the failures that we've been through, the ups and downs, in order to arrive at a place of having ideas worth spreading with the world? Let me know in the comments around this episode. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. This interview is available on my YouTube channel. Lucia Kleszczyncowa is my name. And also on all podcast platforms as Lights in Europe. I'll be looking forward to speaking to you soon. And uh, don't hesitate to let me know what's your main takeaways.